Hello, Seraphim. This is Dicax, your host for The Voice of Seraphim. Episode 19 was, is, and will be recorded on Saturday, April 2nd, 2011. Voice of Seraphim is your source for all the news and information related to Magic Online and the Seraphim Clan. Seraphim hosts a weekly tournament, monthly leagues, and other regularly scheduled events, including a cube draft. We use voice chat and have an active forum at seraphimclan.org. In today's episode of The Voice of Seraphim, we'll be discussing the recent Bring Your Own Standard Tournament, this month's Clone Magic League, Cube Draft Video, and upcoming events. This week, I'm joined by Eldritch Song, the clan captain as co-host, Avenged, Easy Pickens, and the Spirit of Fistal to discuss the new Phyrexia, the Duels of the Planewalker promo titans, the new duet decks, and a mirrored and besieged crack pack. Well, Dicax, if it's just three of us, you can go ahead and and um, put it off and just not have a podcast this week if you don't want to. I don't know. I just have mixed feelings doing it without song. All right. Well, let's get started. How about a round of introductions? Who's joining us tonight? Avenge uh, 44, um, acting as co-host. And this is Easy Pickens. Thanks for joining me. Eldritch Song is incognito. Hopefully he'll show up here sometime soon. I have a question. Who's going to be the witty one since Pasha's not here? Dunno, dunno. Probably not me. You're doing a fine job. So, Dicax, what is on the uh, schedule today? Well, we're going to start with Seraphim events, last night's tournament, and the upcoming tournament. I thought I'd give Easy a chance to talk about Clone Magic again, see how the league's going, and the Sunday night tournaments. Then we'll talk about a couple of news items, and then do Crack Pack. So it might be a short show, but that's the plan. So last night, last night's tournament was Build Your Own Standard. Avenged, you played in that event, correct? Yes, sir. Did you play in that event, Easy? I did not. Wow. Trying to find the standings here. Who won that one? That was um, Joven. I think he's got some numbers in his name, too. Uh, he's a new recruit. He uh, went first with a fish build, which... For you, those not familiar with Fish, it's a mono blue deck, legacy deck, and he was running a, you know, a BYOS version of it with um, Lauren, Zendikar block, and I think fifth edition was his core set. Ooh, looks like he built. Yeah, uh, looks like he beat Eldritch in the last round. Maybe that's why Eldritch Song is hiding out. Yep. So the top four is me, Song, Fist, and uh, I believe Fist. And Joven. Speaking of our leader. Hello. Hey. I wasn't sure whether to get started without you, so we waited as long as we could. But then we had to move forward. We had to move on. But I'm glad you could make it. I feel better now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Forgot about 9 o'clock. No, that's all right. I kind of stopped posting reminders. I guess I could. Should. Would. No, I think everybody knows when it's going to be. I just lost track of time. No worries. So we were just talking about last night's uh, Build Your Own Standard Tournament, and Vinged uh, was telling us that Joven won. Beat you in the last round, it appears. Tell us about your deck. Um, I was playing a deck very similar to what I played the last Build Your Own Standard deck. Our tournament, it was a uh, an Elves deck. And uh, basically, it's just supposed to be fast, like turn four or five wins. 
possibly earlier, depending on what your opponent's doing. And it's just about getting all your elf lords out and having a ton of mana and pretty much doing that. It's pretty fun, actually. And Avenged, you were in the final four. What were you playing? Uh, I was playing Slivers. It was Time Spiral on slot and M11. And it was just your basic sliver to get a bunch of creatures out with different effects and beat your opponent down deck. I had a lot of mana troubles, though. I mean, uh, almost every game I was mana screwed in some way or form. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's all played in the top four games. So, uh, yeah, I've never played Build Your Own Standard. How do you guys go about um, choosing which sets you'll use? A lot of times, at least from at least from my perspective, whenever I'm building a deck, I think about a theme that I want to do, and like say, or a lot of times I'll just build a deck based off something I've had in the past that like that used to be standard, and I liked it enough to rebuild it. So like I'll just go find the sets that were standard during that time period and build it. But and then in other cases, you like you know you're thinking about like hmm, like in Song's case, I want to build elves. What are the best elves? Cards. Well, Lauren has good elf cards, but who else has good elf cards? And you start thinking about all the combos you can put together with the different sets. And, I mean, it's not really that hard when you really start thinking about it. Yeah, for me, I do pretty much the same thing. Like, eventually, like either I think of a, a theme and then look for sets that meet that theme, or, like, for the elves deck, I just looked around for decks and, like, extended classic things like that that uh, had things I liked inside of them and tried to build them as close as I could, but just using, but two two sets, two blocks, and a core set. Because what, what I like about um, building your own standards, you can build a lot of different archetypes, like classic archetypes and stuff, but you can just kind of, like, what, what's the word I'm looking for? You can just, you can really kind of make them a lot tighter by by just having you know, your two blocks, and, and it's kind of interesting how people can come up with what these really well-proven archetypes, like fish and elves and, and like, fists, fist play sneak attack. Using only two blocks. I mean, it's kind of it's interesting how you can build these famous archetypes with just a, just a little bit of cards. And who else was in the final four? It was me, Song, Joven, and I can't quite remember who the oh, fourth person was. Plague. Plague. Oh yes, Plague Dogma. What was Plague playing? Uh, he was playing Living End Cascade. Yeah, that one's that one's a combo. I think this one that's, that's a combo deck that basically cycles a bunch of creatures. And dumps them in the graveyard and then brings them all back at one time to, to take you out. Yep, and it's very effective. It takes a really fast start in order to uh, beat that deck, because typically you can go off with this combo by turn three. Uh, so if it goes first, you have a pretty slow clock, so unless you can get a ton of guys out there. So I think the only losses that Play Dogma really had was against me. I didn't beat him the whole match, but I beat him a game with Elves, and then he lost the match to uh, Joven, who was playing his fish deck. All right. And next week's tournament is Chromatic Singleton event. That'll be next Saturday at 4 p.m. Seraphim time. Yes, indeed. Take a few minutes to talk about this month's league. Easy, do you want to update us on the league, and or should Eldritch do that? Um, I don't know. Elders, do you know the standings right now, where everybody's at? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, then I'll take a minute here. Um, playing Clone Magic this month in the league. Uh, as everybody knows, Clone Magic has a limited card pool. The rules for the game change, but uh, the cards do not. So that makes a little bit of a difference. We're in week two. So far, I don't think anybody's undefeated. Um, Matthew's Meg's doing really well. I think he's got one or two losses. 
I've got three losses. How are you doing, Avenged? Uh, I think I'm sitting with three losses. Yeah, so um, pretty much it's, it's uh, pretty even amongst uh, most of the players. We have, we have nine. Uh, this week we're playing the format of single-color decks. Black seems to be dominating. Uh, my blue's doing okay. And what are you, what are you playing, Avenged? I'm playing mono blue. All right, but the black, I play two black decks and a white deck, and the black decks are really giving me the most trouble. That looks really sweet. And we're going to have a tournament this Sunday night to um, cap off the week, and the winner of the tournament, as always, gets to add a card, and that's where we stand. Cool. Um, do you have a heads up on what next week's rules will be for the league? Absolutely. Uh, next week is going to be a very interesting set of rules. We have um, one deck to bring them all uh, is, is a set, and the theme is one. The number or the word one must appear on every card you play in your deck. Power, toughness, casting cost, um, flavor text does not count, so you can't find a version of a card that has some <laughs> flavor with, with the word one in it. You have to have official card text. So people can have to really scour through their collections to find out, you know, read the rules. Like, for instance, Fireball has the word one on it, or I think it has a symbol one on it. So you can actually use Fireball in this week's game. Wow. Well, that sounds like a really limiting pool. We'll see what people can come up with. Wow. That's a tough one. Who came up with that one? Uh, I, I, should, I did that one as I was making the four sets for the, for the Clone League. I chose... I chose that one, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Well, power toughness, power toughness or casting cost, you got a lot of ones out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully Fracture will come back. I was wanting to talk about the Build Your Own Set thread on the forums, because he posted a few yeah. cards, and so did you, Avenged. So yeah, the one, he, uh, the one he brought back to life. Yeah, so I was hoping you two could talk about that. Maybe he'll show up later, but... Uh, other than that, we've got a new cube video posted. Eldritch, do you want to talk about that? Uh, sure. Uh, so we had our last cube draft uh, this past Wednesday, and I believe we had six people in the uh, in the cube playing it this time, and actually pretty fun, I think. So uh, yeah, and uh, I recorded all the matches, and I ended up actually winning that cube draft. So I'm pretty excited about that video, but. <laughs> Not that I think that I did everything right, but it's nice to have built something and have it go all the way. Cool, cool. What guys? You, what what time are you guys playing Cube? No. It's it's Wednesday. You're playing. Are you playing every Wednesday? Is that pretty much what it's come to? Um, as a general rule, you can expect there to be a Cube draft every single Wednesday at 7:30 Seraphim time. I have uh, held a few Cube drafts on Sundays, and generally, if I'm gonna hold one on Sunday, it'll be on weekends where we don't have a Saturday tournament. But Wednesday, for sure, you can almost always expect there to be a cube draft. So if that's really your thing, just be on, on Wednesday, and you'll know that you'll get a cube draft if you show up at 7.30. And uh, every other when, every other Sunday, there will usually be a cube draft. There, wasn't, there isn't going to be one this weekend. Or maybe if there wasn't one, because 500 podcast comes out. But uh, So that's just because this is an off weekend. So, But for the most part, Wednesdays and Sundays are when the cube draft is going to be happening. Okay, cool. And how's the development of the cube going? Um, in terms of updates, it's basically the same list as it was last time. We're still missing, I think, four cards, about 30 tickets worth of stuff um, on our basic list. 
we still do have, you know, a pretty long wish list of, you know, more expensive cards to add. Plus, we want to start adding more non-basic lands. But for the most part, the cube is shaping up nice still. Um, and I'm actually anticipating that we're going to have a few new donations soon. Since we've, there's actually been uh, a lot of interest in the cube from uh, several new recruits. Cool, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's cool. It's a pretty cool format. Unlimited, limited. Exactly. And uh, I, I think everybody that's played it so far has really enjoyed it and been impressed by uh, how our cube is shaping up. All right. So anything else on the clan front that we should want to talk about? Uh, one thing we can talk about is the decks of the week post from last week, if you want. Yeah, cool. What this is a new post. What's the uh, what's the idea behind the post? Uh, the idea behind the post is basically just to highlight the uh, decks that have been performing well in the clan. So the like winners of our events. So for instance, like the last tournament, uh, the glass cube draft, and um, let's see what else is on there. The uh, and the clone magic tournament winner. So just give everybody an idea so they wanted to look at what kind of formats we're playing and see which decks are performing well. They can look at all the lists kind of consolidated in one place. And also it's kind of nice because I don't think a lot of people ever see the the cube, you know, the cube draft decks in their final form or also even the clone draft and the clone uh, tournament decks in their final form because those aren't really posted officially uh, like I do with our weekly tournaments. So I think for some people it would be pretty nice to see which decks are doing well there. I guess just as another way to kind of give out recognition for those people that are playing in our events and doing well. Great. Where do where do people find that post? I'm looking for the post so I can link it in the show notes. I'm not coming across it. Um, so far, I've been tagging them under news. So if you just go to the, the news button at the top, uh, it should be the first one there, and that will be where I'll post all the ones uh, that are going to be coming up. I'll just do that once a week. Cool. Sort of... Uh... Seraphim's meta, huh? Exactly, yep. And as you can see, it's, it was Matthew's Meg that was really tearing it up last weekend with the Clone Magic win and the Cube Drop win. But if anyone has any other ideas of you know, what kind of decks we should put into that Dex of the Week thing, uh, let me know. Just any other events. Like, if we even want to do, like, see who's, whose deck is like, winning in the league or anything like that, we could put that up there as well. I just want to have a, a nice list for people to look over. And they, uh, at the end of, or at the start of each week, I guess, and see what was doing well the previous week. I mean, I think you got pretty much all the main stuff covered: the the, the cube draft and the clone magic deck and the the decks from our normal rotation. Your cube, your your cube deck on here, so. What's that? I don't see your cube deck on here. Yeah, it's okay. That's from last week. Um, I'll post up the next week one on Monday, so that'll have uh, my cube deck, and then whoever wins the clone magic, and then also. Uh, Jovin's deck from uh, this Friday. Is that, what you're, is that how you're doing it? You're waiting to the very end, to the end of the week to throw them all in there. Yeah. So the the decks of the week will be posted on Monday, and that will be for the previous week. That way, I can get up the most recent clan tournament, cube draft, and clone magic, and include them all in one post. It might even be interesting to uh, do more than just the the deck that won, but even do like the top two or the top four, depending on what the event is. But I don't know how you guys feel about that. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be kind of... I, I wouldn't mind having, you know, having multiple decks on the list. That'd be kind of cool. It gives you something more to read on the forums. And also, like, I guess one thing is that, like, for instance, like, posting up Osric's deck might be kind of redundant since, just for instance, like, it'll be posted again in the summary that I'm going to... Well, that I've written up for him, and also 
Ace got it on the forums itself, so it might be nice to see even while like the second, third, and fourth place guys were playing, but I'm the kind of decks that don't really ever get to see the spotlight because they didn't take the trophy home. Yeah, and I would think if the idea is to get an idea of the meta, then maybe the top two or three decks, you know, top three decks would be cool. Yeah, I think uh, I think that sounds reasonable. And up with a long list, but yeah, but it will still be shorter than like the ones on like the, the Magic Online tournament reports. True, true. Well, I wish Fracture were here, because this build-your-own-set thread's pretty cool. Avenge, you got a couple of cards here that he created that look really cool, but we'll save it in hopes that Fracture will join us, or either tonight he'll be back, or maybe next week. <laughs> okay. So... So any, um, any magic... Um, general related news that we want to talk about? Any reveals or spoilers or anything? <laughs> well, you may be really surprised to find out, and I hope I'm not spoiling it for you, but action is new Phyrexia. Oh my god, you seriously? What? Really? It's amazing. Can we go back and say that we predicted this? We should like go back and like take all the clips from our previous <laughs> podcast and be like, we proved it. We, we predicted this. It's a 50-50 chance anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good odds. Flip the coins. So, uh, Monty Ashley announced this on Magic Arcana on Tuesday, along with a spoiler, Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite, I suppose. She's 5 and 2 white. She's a 4-7. Legendary creature Praetor. She has Vigilance. Other creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Creatures your opponent control gets minus two, minus two. Yeah, I posted a thread on the site about talking about that, discussing that card, and all the discussion was pretty leaning towards the side that she's not good. Really? Like, flesh that out for us. Well, it's just kind of kind of expensive for what she does. I mean, she'd be a great limited bomb. I don't, like, most of us don't, most of us that talk on the thread don't really see her as being... Like really strong standard card, or you know, just because of the mana cost and how much effort you got to take to put out the card. But I don't know. We, we might get proven wrong. We've been, people have been proven wrong plenty of times by these cards. There's definitely no existing archetypes that can use her. I, mean, I wouldn't think. You know, maybe a, probably some new decks might come out that use her, but nothing current standard. Yeah, I don't see it as being more of a multiplayer card than anything else. Really? Yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be pretty good in Commander and stuff like that, but, or two at a giant, maybe, but, yeah. It is pretty expensive. Yeah, I guess the problem is, like, you, the kind of deck you wanted in would be kind of a swarm deck, just because you'd have a lot of creatures that could take advantage of that, but then again, those kind of decks are aggressive, and they don't really curve up to seven. And I, I think I made this point in the thread, but if you look at what we have with the six drop, why do we want to spend seven mana on this? When we have... Primeval Titan, and we have all these different Titans. We have Ronco Engine. They've got the Spencer Jarrell. Wow, all these great quality creatures at six. And this guy just sitting at seven. Yeah, but imagine your opponent with a Grave Titan that's a 4-4. Four, four. Like, Grave Titan's a 4-4. Four, four well, and it can't, not, not it can't produce tokens. But it's got Death Touch. If your opponent's playing Grave Titan, they probably have a Doomblade for your Elishnorn anyway. <laughs> Alright. So, uh... I guess she, but um, she's a Praetor. Does this mean that there's going to be four other Praetors, one in each color? That's kind of what they're suggesting, I would think, just from, I think I think it's going to be a cycle. That's what I'm trying to get at. 
Don't we already have a black black predator? Do we? I think I think we have hand of the praetor. I'm not sure that's an actual praetor though. Sorry, I'm looking up praetor. This is a title granted by the government of ancient Rome. Two men acting in one of two official capacities: commander of an army, and yeah. So we don't actually have any uh, creature type praetors yet. Fascinating. How many cycles do they usually put in a set? Um, not that many. Maybe like maybe like I mean it really varies, but probably like a lot of times you see like two maybe or three. But that that number is really up in the air and just kind of varies in what, what the sets what the sets theme is. I mean they don't really have that many cycles as of right now. I mean they have that I can think of like the sword cycle and then anything else you guys can think of. Well, I mean you talking about just you talking about scars block? Yes, scars. Yeah, we have the artifacts used. They use mana that use colored mana cycle. We have the um, the mirror cycle. Yep, that's right. Mirrors, spell bombs, swords. And the one that, the artifacts that use mana, the soliton, is the blue one. And uh, there's one there's an artifact of every color. And you get the rebel, the rebel, the rebel. also got the mirror smiths. Wall of Tangled Sword. Yeah, actually there are quite a few. Yeah, you, you don't you don't just think of rares because they always they always have a lot of common uncommon cycles too, and those you, those you kind of tend to forget about. And uh, I know this is not Magic Online, but have you seen the Duels uh, 2012 promo cards? Yes, sir. I have seen them. They look pretty sweet. That Grave Titan looks badass. He's Bamf. I think they all look pretty sweet, actually. Like all the art for those promos looks awesome. Me. Cross Titan kind of looks silly, but yeah, they're a lot cool. I I think they're cooler than the uh, regular art, that's for sure, because they're supposed to be. So they pulled that off. Yeah, and then speaking of cycles, they make it seem like they're going to be reprinting all the Titans in Magic 2012, the core set. I guess this would sort of suggest that, huh? Indeed, it would. Someone else think that all these are awesome looking? Yeah. No, I love the Grave Titan, man. The Inferno Titan looks cool, too. Frost Titan's probably my favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. For me, for sure, yeah. it's the Grave Titan. He looks pretty serious. <laughs> yeah, he does. They all look pretty dangerous. So, I guess I'll be getting the PC version and the Xbox Xbox version. I would just get PC, but the Grave Titan's so badass. Well, I thought that was worth mentioning. So they also announced a new dual deck with Liliana Vess and Gideon, Gideon Jura. Yeah, that deck's actually pretty sweet. <laughs> I thought you had a link to it, too. I mean, uh, who wouldn't want Water Gun Balloon Game? A ladies' night. Is this an actual card? Oh, it is. It's from Unhinged. Huh. It's the first dual deck in history to ever include uh, Unhinged cards. How long do we want to keep this going before we reveal that it's a bulls joke? We weren't going to reveal that, Avenge, so don't say any, don't tell anybody. Oh shit! Is it? Are you serious, Dagex? Shit, I don't know. These aren't real. I'm confused. The cards are real, but the dual deck itself is not real. Oh. Well, I was looking forward to Water Gun Balloon Game. I mean, otherwise it looks legit. Yeah, if you didn't have any hinge cards in there, it does look pretty legit. Though a hero of Blayhold and a Gideon is just kind of badass for a dual deck. I don't know. I think the thing is that it was it wasn't posted on April Fool's Day, maybe. But then again, it was it marketed as a romance between Gideon and Liliana Vess. I guess I should read the articles carefully, huh? 
you know, the, the fix of the bottom has them getting ready to go out on a date. And you've got the hearts all over the, the box itself. <laughs> I guess I'm blind, too. But you know what the worst thing is, though? I didn't realize it was a joke until I... Well, I guess what clued me in was the fact that, uh... If you look at the set symbol on Gideon Jura, it's still the Rise of the Eldrazi one. So I knew, oh, wait, they just put that art in there. I don't actually have a set symbol for this one yet. Yeah, it wasn't the art, art on Hinge Cards that figured it out. I know, that's why it's so sad. It took me that to figure out, wait a minute. Oh, Oh, this isn't a dual deck. This is a duet deck. There you go. So, now wait a minute. So, is this, like, legitimately going to be a dual deck? No, it's completely fake. Completely fake? Yeah, just meant to be a joke. Yeah, it was April Fool's joke. That's why I mentioned it to you, but you apparently thought it was real. That's not funny. Tom Lopeel is not funny. It's better. It's better. It's more funny now. That somebody fell for it? That's right. I'll just, I love that you put a link to it, too, in your show notes. I thought it was legit. Fortunately, I'm the editor. That is abusing your power, sir. Probably so, probably yep. so. Yep. It needs to stay in. Yeah, I agree. It's, I think it's funny to have that link there. So, uh, it's about all we got, really. I was going to say that. You guys want to do Crack-A-Pack? Sure. Let's go for it. Oh, man. What are we cracking? Oh, man. I just almost shit my pants. I hope you leave that in. I, th- I thought I thought Camtasia wasn't recording for a moment, which really sucks when that happens. It hasn't happened in a long time, so just expecting it to happen anytime soon. Usually, though, the second one ends up being better than the first. Yeah, we've already had practice. That was our rehearsal. We should just rehearsal these things, exactly. Are we going to open the second track? I mean, just yeah, yeah. I'm gonna open up. Uh, have to open up an event, to, an intro pack, to get one though. We need sound effects for the intro pack too now. Path of Blight. It's got a foil Phyrexian Hydra. Really likes. Stop telling really, likes, really likes Phyrexian Hydra. So, uh, what decks have you guys been playing? We could talk about that. I've been trying to revive Jun, but it's, it's really terrible. Have you seen the um the standard deck or the standard Jun deck that Patrick Chapin made on Star City Games? I think I heard somebody mention that earlier today. And yeah. So yes, I have. I haven't seen the deck list, but I've heard of it. Oh well, then maybe you should make the deck list and see where how it compares to yours. And it probably doesn't compare. I mean, that one's probably a lot better. Perhaps, I don't know. I haven't tried making it, but it looked interesting. Well, actually, it definitely didn't look as good as the original Jun. That's for that's for certain. It didn't have enough card advantage. See, that's what I was trying to build mine out. I was trying to build mine with two-for-ones and card, like, you know, like, art trails and um, grave titans and stuff like that. Just card, like, cards that give you field advantage. Just not as good without Bloodbraid. Or Lightning, or, you know, the Lizard guy. Sprouting Trinax. Yeah, our Petuma's Blast. Just needs those cards. Yep. Well, Son, do you want to talk about your, your newest deck creation? Um, sure. I didn't create it. I just, uh, I built, I finally got a chance to build it. Uh, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but uh, Dark Worship's kind of had this ongoing series about Tezzeret decks in the standard form. Uh, and I've been following that because I uh, just have this sort of, sort of interest in Tezzeret. 
uh, ever since I kind of got spoiled. So I've been looking forward to building a few of those decks. So anyway, um, just a few days ago, I picked up my, my full set of Tezzerites and also a couple of Jaces. So I uh, built that Tezzerator 2.0 deck that uh, he linked earlier. You're evil. You're evil. Pure evil. I just love Grixis as a color combination. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. In a very evil, evil way. And yeah, I just love the way he describes it as like the uh, the Grixis super friends. Because the deck has uh, four Tezzerites, three Coughs, and two Jace the Mind Sculptors in it. Does it have a... So I had a chance... Are you doing a Dark's, um, Dark's deck? Um, it's it's one of the decks that Dark Worship linked to. It was actually... It wasn't his deck. It was somebody on... Um, I think it was Pure and TGO that built mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's close. Yeah. yeah, and um, I don't think Dark actually has a, had a chance to play it because I don't I don't believe he has a set of costs or uh, enough Jace the Mind Sculptors to play with it. So I think probably I might be the first person to actually play it in the clan. Hey, that reminds me. I opened two coughs this week. Sweet. Yeah, it's pretty nice when you enter a, a, a draft and pay for it when you open your first pack. It is very much so. Hey, Song, what tournament was this Jun deck released at? Um, you talking about Patrick Chapin's? Yeah. Is it they, they, is it on a tournament list, or is it just like an article or something? No, it was just in an article he published. I can get you the list. I mean, no disrespect, but does the guy win? Patrick Chapin? Um, I mean, sometimes. I like Patrick Chapin. He's obviously a very smart guy. I don't know, I guess the thing with Patrick Chapin is that he's not so much... A tournament player as he is a deck builder. Okay. Like the decks that he builds are the ones that his teammates take usually to win tournaments. Well, he he. What was he like second in worlds or something? Wasn't he? He top aided in worlds, didn't he? Yep, he, I did. And I think it's probably one of the mo- most recent of his successes. Mm-hmm. But then again, those I guess you know some pros just um, have off years, um, and I don't know. It might be one for. Chapin, I'm not sure. I wouldn't call him off here, I guess, because he has been doing well. just hasn't been appearing in as many top eights as, uh, let's say, like Brad Nelson or, uh, you know, uh, Waffle Tapo or, or anybody like that. Yeah, it's definitely not an off year for Gary Thompson. Yeah, no doubt. Jerry, Jerry T. So I kind of want to see him actually play in, like, a, a, I don't want to call it a real Magic Tournament, but a Wizard-sponsored one. Oh, is he hitting the Star City Games? Yeah, that's where he's been... I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say he hasn't been doing insane. Like, he's won, like, several of the last, like, uh, you know, Star City games, both in Legacy and in Standard, like, consecutively. Got second place this last one. I mean, he's just been doing insane in these Star City games tournaments. But I haven't actually seen his name appear in, like, any Grand Prix or, like, Pro Tours. We sound like uh, fat guys watching football. <laughs> kind of, except our sport's a bit more intellectual. Go, Brad! You can do it! Dunk that ball! Sound like, uh... Yeah, definitely. Exactly I mean, I can't, I can't fault like Jerry Thompson's skill. I mean, he has... His deck building is amazing. I guess just as proved by the fact that he kind of invented the, the Black Splash for that Cowblade. I don't want no pro hate coming my way. I mean, he, what, he, what, didn't he, um... He came up with that deck, and he also came up with Spread Em, and... Um, he came up with Coros. I mean, he's, he's come up with a lot of good ideas in the last few years. Yeah, from what I've read, people are kind of treating him as, like, um, not not like an innovator like Patrick Chapin, but as the person that is able to take an already existing deck and tweak it 
for the specific meta that it's being played in. Well, he must be able to uh, anticipate the meta to a certain extent if he's reliably winning every time. I would guess that's a big part of how he's doing so well, is sort of being able to anticipate the meta for the next upcoming event. And also you have to say that his confidence does a lot toward helping him get up there. Because uh, I've been reading a few of his articles, and the guy is, I don't, I guess I, I guess I would say arrogant, uh, but at the same time, I guess it's well-deserved since he's been doing so well. I agree with that statement, but like you said, you know, he can afford to be. All right, well, we better move on before somebody gets beat up. Uh, really? The, uh, really? Yeah, the, the Star City Games team's going to pop up at Song's house. <laughs> I'm not worried. I, I've seen their pictures. They can come over whenever they want, all of them. Well, my Boros deck and my Goblins deck are very scared by the Sword of War and Peace. As they should be. Is this the end of Boros? I wouldn't say so. I mean, what is it? Um, Black is you know, still highly played, even though we got you know Sword of Peace family that totally screws it. I mean, even Boros is going to... I mean, it's just going to adapt to having a sword again, you know, on the other side of the field. There are always ways for that, that deck to combat it. Either they splash another color, or they just throw in like things... Uh, like wall of tangle cores or tumble magnets or things like that, just to slow down those those swords. I mean, there's going to be a way to adapt, or even just they actually get to that point, just bring in a lot more artifact disruption, more shatters, um, you know, lean in relic orders, something like that that can combat those equipment. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's not going to be an white, end of the Boros. Red and white are the colors of artifact removal. I mean, you know, they can take care of the sword. Divine. And, and, and those decks don't necessarily really care about opponent with a sword. They, as, long, as long as they can just still get around your, get around the guy with the sword and get in for damage, they don't care. Good point. So I started playing Valakit. Mm, yep, you have. So uh, how, how, do you, how do you like that deck? How do you feel that it's useful or good? I, I like the deck. It's pretty reliable. If you play it right. Really? If you play it right. I always find, I always find it to be kind of... Like you either have you either have the the good setup or you don't. Yeah, but then most decks are like that. But Valkyrie does have a really good way of just being able to turn, totally turn a game around that you that you that your opponent thinks they're gonna win. Then uh, I'm trying out Brian Kibler's UB Infect deck. Just built that last night. I'm kind of fond of Infect. I want it to work. Well, uh, yes, yeah, I think it's gonna prove it's working. As Brian Kibler proved it worked uh, this past past, I guess. Has SCG tournament. What do you mean? Didn't he top eight? Yeah, he topped eight. One of the events for that uh, Infect deck. Well, there you go. So yeah, it's definitely viable. And I've actually I've watched his videos um, of him playing it, and it's it's awesome. It's pretty solid. Oh, there's some videos posted on Star City Games of him playing it. Yeah, assuming you're a premium member. I, I'm a premium member. Well, there you go. I can give you a link. That'd be great. Yeah, it'd be very helpful to see the. Uh, Creator of the deck, play the deck. You know, LSV has these new uh, videos that he's putting out where he takes a deck and I think he puts it, I don't know how you want He puts it through the gauntlet and he plays it. Pretty cool. It's a good series. Yeah, I've been watching some of series. I watched the ones where he was playing the, um, the Tezzeret Forge Master deck. Yeah, he also has some where he's playing Boros, which is kind of interesting. Is there the yeah, those are the two series he's done. Yeah, I think he's taken decks that he, he wouldn't necessarily play. Not that they're not top tier, but... Yeah, because normally I don't think of LSV as a Boros player. No, he's for sure a control player all the way. But I definitely I definitely have seen him play some aggro strategies in the past, but 
he always tries to go for the the strongest control deck. I think it's just for me though. I want I was kind of hoping he was going to play more tier two decks like the Forge Master deck, just because of the fact that I think most of us know kind of how all the tier one decks work, and maybe not as exciting to see him play with those. It would just be nice to see maybe a pro take on a tier two deck and kind of explain why it's not working or why it could work if a few cards were changed. If you ever watch like the Connie Woods videos, I like those because his deck Doctor Ones because he just he, he basically like he will send send him submissions for decks they've made and he like makes them and then uh play test and then tweaks them a little bit and then play tests them against like you know like meta game and those are those are interesting videos because they come up with like different decks and that's more I think to me that's more what I would like to watch is like you know people as people trying out rogue decks against the meta against the tier two decks or tier one decks and actually been doing good with them. Versus watching like Boros or watching Callblade, something that we already we see every day. We know how it plays. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, should we do crack a pack? We certainly can. All right. This is Mirrored and Besieged, and our first common is Loxidon Partisan. Four and a white. It's a three four. It's got Battle Cry. Can tell you guys are all excited about that. So move on to our next. Move on to our next. Yeah, I was trying to let someone talk about it, but I guess he didn't want to talk about it. Oh, I can talk about it. Yeah, it's um, a fairly useless card, actually. Probably one of the worst Battlecrafts cards that's in the set, and it always goes late. So if you actually need a creature like that, just pick it up like 13th, 14th pick, because you don't. It's not going to be a high pick for anybody because it's pretty bad. And our next common is Quicksilver Geyser, which is four and a blue. It's an instant. Return up to two target non-land permanents to their owner's hands. Another, another late pick. That uh, I guess it's kind of a cool two for one, but it's expensive and it like it will, it will wheel plenty of times. I don't know. Um, I, I have a bit of a warped view on this card, I guess, because I I played a lot of Mirrored and Besiege, Triple Mirrored and Besiege, and I haven't played any Scar like in the like MSS for a while. Uh, but that was actually a pretty high pick and. Mirrored and Besieged, because it is a, actually is a very nice two-for-one. Uh, and at instant speed, and being able to bounce two things back to their hand is pretty sweet. I think probably it's a mid-range pick. I wouldn't call it an early or late pick, though. And our next common is Razorfield Rhino, which is a six colors. It's a 4-4 four four with Metalcraft. What can you say? It's a 4-4 so four four that might be a 6-6 six six for six. And it's artifacts that count towards Metalcraft. Um... It's it's probably a very mid or late pick, probably a late pick. Yeah, it is a pretty late pick because, uh, like we mentioned before, the six drop spot is highly contested. Um, they're you're never going to have a problem filling up the six drops, and really the the rhino is only playable if you can really if you can guarantee that you'll have Melcraft. Otherwise, a four four for six is not good enough. And our next common is Fangren Marauder, which is five and a green. It's a five five. With whenever an artifact is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, you may gain five life. You know, I've heard this guy is kind of OP, but yeah, it's pretty OP. Yeah, this guy is disgusting. I mean, he's a very early pick because if any, like, I think people are finally catching on to how awesome he is, and he's just incredibly, incredibly good. What is OP? Overpower power. Oh. I mean, he is a 5-5 five, five for, what, 6 that gains you 5 life per artifact hit. I mean, that's a lot of life. You know, especially if, you, especially if you're packing your own artifact removal. And it's disgusting, a good thing. Next card is Bladed Sentinel, which is 4 colorless. It's 2-4 with 1 white, 
plated sentinel gains vigilance until end of turn. Nothing really special about this guy, really. He just had, I mean, he has vigilance, but how how good is vigilance on that weak of a body? Um, it's a pretty late pick, I believe. What about you, Song? Yeah, it's a very mediocre card. Late pick. All right, and the next common is Morbid Plunder, which is one and two black. It's a sorcery. Return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard into your to your hand. Pretty decent card. I mean, it gets you back your two best creatures, um, but back to your hand, it's always useful, especially if you have bombs in your deck that your opponent manages to get rid of. Yeah, the card really is. I think you're gonna play it in your deck. You make sure that your creatures are like value cards, like the, because pretty much when you put like play Morbid Plunder, you're trading one card in for two cards, and you're maybe wasting a turn to do that, so you're not really getting anything. Uh, so it's kind of like. You know, it's pretty much an equivalent exchange between those two. So unless the creatures you get back are giving you something extra as well to kind of increase the value you get out of the card, you probably don't want to play it in your deck. Also, look at it like this. It's a good top deck because it's like top deck and it's like, it's like drawing two creatures. Ooh, that is exciting. And our next common is Blight Widow. Three and a green. It's 2-4 with reach. Pretty good. Um, it's, it's, I, would say it, I would say it's a pretty, not the highest pick, but a pretty high pick. Figuring as it has an effect and it also has reach, and flyers kind of dominate for limited formats most of the time. And, um, and there's already not there's already not enough good infect creatures going around the table, so if you see a blight with them, you might as well take it if you're going infect. Just to add to that, I would take it even if I'm not playing infect because um, it, it is a, a huge ground clogger. Like that thing can keep back an entire board just because of the fact that anything they attack into it not only will potentially die just by being killed straight out with it, but will have to shrink because of the infect. It's not just an it's ground clogger, it's also an air clogger. Yeah, it clogs with everything. Yeah, it, it'll, it, can, it can basically control the board if you have it out and your opponent can't remove it. Ditto. So next common is Titan Strike. Three and a white. It's a 2-1 with flying and infect. Um, pretty mediocre, uh, but it is... Probably, well, it, it is the best flying effect creature uh, for white. So, I mean, I've, I've seen some people try to go with the kind of, like, white X infect deck. Uh, and if that's the case, you want to get a, as many of those guys as you can because they are the best one in white. Uh, um, but for the most part, it's not really that good. Let me ask you, how many white infect flowers is there? I think that might be the only one. That's why it's the best one. <laughs> nice. Don't. I think he meant white infect cards. Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe not. I could mean both. And they'd both be true. <laughs> Eldritch Clan Captain. And the next... Uh, is this still common? It is. Mirsire. Which is uh, two colors. It's a 1-1. One, one. When Mirsire is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a 1-1 one, one colorless mirror artifact creature token onto the battlefield. Seems pretty good to me. Replaces itself. Personally, I don't really, don't really feel that card is that great, just because of the fact that it's a one-one for two, and it does replace itself. But how useful is replacing a one-one with a one-one really, in the long run? Um, actually, it's. I, well, I would say it was pretty useful. Um, it combos well with a lot of cards. Um, it's not, what's nice about it is that it'll. If you're play, like, for instance, if you're playing Metalcraft, it protects your Metalcraft because you can block with that card. It dies, and you still don't lose your Metalcraft because you get another artifact in its place. Um, it replaces it basically exactly. 
Um, and also it works well with things like mortar pod, where you can attach that and do two damage or something, and or even just attach it, stack it, and still have a creature left behind once that is finished. Uh, and also works in decks that need to sacrifice artifacts uh, for abilities or effects. And also just a good blocker that'll it'll basically uh, chump block two creatures for one. So it's actually pretty nice that card. It's, a, it's not a high pick, but it's a more of a mid range pick. I guess I should um, rephrase that. I mean, it's it's sure it's got its places, just like you know, a lot of cards have their places in the right archetype, the right kind of deck. But uh, you know, just picking it as a general card in your deck, it doesn't really do a whole lot to me. Our next uncommon is Horrifying Revelation, which is one black. It is a sorcery. It uh, is uh, maybe not worth the time to read it, but target player discards a card, then puts the top card of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Pretty remo- pretty mediocre card. I mean, it does, um, I don't know, I guess it does hit the top. I guess it does kind of two-for-one, but it's not really a very impressive two-for-one. Yeah, exactly. I've seen sometimes where it actually is pretty sweet, like they end up discarding, like, you know, a mediocre card, and then that top card of their deck is, like, their biggest bomb, and that feels pretty good, but, yeah, for the most part, you're just going to hit, like, some, like two lands. I mean, it's kind of, and it's not bad, but I think the fact that it's taking up a slot in your deck, something that potentially just will have more impact, is why it's not played very often or at all. I mean, if I have it, in, if I if I have it in my pool, I can almost always find something better to replace it with in the actual deck. So. Alrighty, and the next uncommon, I think you're gonna be happy with this is Koldatha Flame Fiend. It's four and two red. It's a four four. When Koldatha Flame Fiend enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice an artifact. If you do, Koldatha Flame Fiend deals 4 damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or players. I've actually played this card a lot of the sets whenever I do end up getting it, which is not all that often because it seems to be a high pick. But, um, yeah, this guy's pretty sweet. I mean, small price to sacrifice an artifact, you, get to, you can get to wipe out multiple creatures and hit the hit player for, for a couple points. I mean, he's like he's like a friend on Titan's little brother, and yeah. he's really great if you can sacrifice like an Inker spell with whatever you call that thing. Like if you sacrifice an artifact that has like go to Inker will, Inker will. Yeah, it's um, basically the biggest bomb that Red has. That's not a rare. And the next uncommon is go for the throat one and a black. It's an instant. Destroy target non-artifact creature. And we should just start doing oh, we just start doing crack uncommons now. What can we say about Go for the Throat? It's removal. Removal's awesome. I guess enough said. Perhaps. Probably has more use in more use in constructed play than it does in limited because it doesn't get your artifacts, which if you're drafting you're gonna face up some pretty mean artifacts. Yeah, but it'll still hit most things. The last in common is Phyrexian Juggernaut. Six colorless, it's a five five with infect. And as with most juggernauts, it attacks each turn if able. I mean, just like just, just like the other juggernauts, he's really good and limited. He's a it's a pretty big guy that can hit like hit for your opponent. I mean, um, the fact that he's got an effect is pretty awesome because even if your opponent does have something like say like a, a zero six wall or something, they'll still they'll slowly get through it. I mean, the attack every turn can be a drawback, but normally it's not. Well, at 5-5, five, five, I mean, with in fact. Yeah, you have to Yeah, I mean, uncommons in this yeah. pack have been pretty pretty good. All right, ready for the rare? The rare is Slagstorm. Just one and two red. Choose one. Slagstorm deals three damage to each creature. 
Or Slack Storm deals three damage to each player. Man, I think this is a good pack for. Too bad we're not actually drafting this pack. I don't know. It's too bad, actually, because what annoys me about that is you have Flame Fiend and Slack Storm, and you know that more than likely, like, the pick order is going to be, like, you take Slack Storm, the next person's going to take the. Uh, the go for the throat, and then the next person's going to take the Flame Fiend, more than likely, and then you kind of lose out on the red. I mean, it's kind of a bummer that you'd be kind of cutting yourself off there. So I guess I'd probably just go ahead and still take the go for the throat out of that pack. Like, this is my experience with Mirrored and Besieged. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I, I'm holding eight cards in my hand that, in my opinion, would be reasonably good picks. Fanger Marauder, Morbid Plunder, Blight Widow, Mirror Sire, Koldatha Flame Fiend, Go for the Throat, Phyrexing Juggernaut, and Slackstorm. I've actually run out of time picking cards. So you'd go for go for the throat. Yeah. All those color, like all those cards are very good and they're also high picks, but you got I don't think the first picks. I think it's like the first picks would be like Slackstorm, Go for the Throat. I mean those are the two main first picks actually actually. Well you gotta remember about what your first pick is, you're most likely never gonna see that first pick again because first picks are, you know, good. So you gotta decide, you know, what card that you, you think you might be able to pick up again later on and what card you won't be able to. And most likely you're not going to pick up another Snake Storm. You're, you're or almost definitely. And you're probably not going to pick up another um, Go for the Throat. So you really got to decide, you know, what what card you will see again. See, I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying this is right, but I'd probably be struggling between Koldatha Flame Fiend and Fanger Marauder. But both of those have the problem that uh, Eldritch was talking about, where, I mean, the Fanger Marauder is the same way with the Blight Widow. Um, my pick for this pack would probably be the rare, just because it's a good rare, and it's also a good card. It's a board wipe. I mean, you know, board wipes are pretty good in any way they can come. And I, and I tend I tend to kind of force red a lot, or play red a lot when I draft, so I'd, I'd probably end up taking it. Okay. So that, yeah, I was going to say that. So if you do that, you're pretty much in red. What else are you looking for? If, if, I, if I end up going red, I'm probably going to try and go for a red-white Battlecry type deck. Either, you know, like, uh, I've been known to play, like, weird com color combinations. Like, I've played red-green one time, and I think red-blue one time. Just whatever. Okay. And is, is Go for the Throat going to push you in a particular direction? Song or no, not really. That's kind of why I like that pick, just because it's very splashable. If I don't end up going black, so really, uh, I think in terms of color, I think black's probably one of the weakest colors in Scarlet Mirror. Uh, just been my experience. I don't ever really like drafting that color. It's I mean, mostly an infect color, it's sort of like the way green was. Um, it's one of those colors you don't want to draft unless you're playing infect. Um, so taking that card probably would not, not necessarily submit me in black. Uh, but I'd definitely be looking to play that at least as a splash. Well, that's crack a pack. It's crack. Now, now what would your what would your second pick be song in that pack if you had if you had like another go around at it and with the same cards in there? If I thought there were gonna be the same cards in there, I would have taken the slack storm and the flame team. Alright, fair enough. I'd probably go uh, if it was still in the pack for some weird reason I'd probably go for the um the flame fiend. But I'd probably end up taking like one of the um I can't remember. I can't remember the comments that were in the pack anymore. I mean, at least if you take go for the throat, for instance, like you know that the people to your uh, that you're passing to are either going to be 
green or they're going to be red. And so hopefully that means that you're not going to be cutting off either blue, which might be a good color to pair up with, or white. Right, and that's probably that's my that's my weak suit when it comes to um, drafting is the singles and cutting off colors and all that really fancy stuff. You know, that, that's the stuff I don't ever have, don't ever do too well and dress with. Well, I'm not saying I'm making the right pick either. I mean, I think if Tosta were here, he might have something to say. But I'm not sure whether he'd agree with me or not because uh, definitely he's the one that's been hitting these drafts like three a day. Every time I every time I invite him to a game, he's always like, "I'm in a draft." I'm like, "You're always in a draft." Yep, yeah, that's what he does. Well, that's it. That's the end of Crackback and the end of episode 19. An amazing episode it was. Is. Will be. So, thanks for joining us. I'm glad you were able to make it song. I'm sorry Fracture wasn't able to join us. I guess his girlfriend works far away from home. And. And. and I was really looking forward to being co-host. You'll get your chance. And we also had the spirit of Fist. Yeah, I saw you put that in the show notes. That was pretty funny. Right there with the duet deck. Who's that? The guy who won the Bill Jones Center. Yeah, sorry. I had a later than expected evening. Uh, Good for no you. Problem. Yeah, I was at a legacy tournament today, so. Oh, cool. How'd it go? <laughs> I smashed face. <laughs> I 2 0 everybody except for one opponent. What, you end up getting second place or something? First place? No, I got first place. One opponent actually got a game off me. It was 2-1 against him. Gotta watch out for this guy. Are we playing? It's a secret. What's that story? I have, like, five people talking to me. I just that his made-up story falls apart when you ask for details. Sorry, what? My fiance is trying to get me to smell the coffee because she just cleaned her coffee maker. It's like, does this smell like vinegar? We were wondering what you played at the Legacy Tournament. Oh, I played Burn. Like mono red or, or just like pure burn? Uh, mono red with it was using um, Bigger of Destinies, uh, Grim Lava Monsters, uh, Keldum Marauders for creatures, and. Uh, Fire Blast? Well, for sure, Fire Blast. Yeah, Fire Blast, Chain Lightning, Lightning Bolt, uh, Lava Spike. Price of Progress from the sideboard because a lot of people run monocolor decks. Yeah, that's my kind of deck. Which it sounds like a deck list that I. That I one that little legacy tournament we had a while back with. I just like figure your destiny. It's a beast. Yeah, I made the mistake of thinking it was like like the like the actual level of creatures and that you can only do it at sorcery speed. But no, you can do that stuff into speed. Indeed. Anyway, good job. That was nice. Yeah, it was fun actually. I had a lot of fun. I actually ran into somebody playing Merfolks, this very similar deck to the one I played yesterday there. No no, I'm still here. I'm here. I'm here. Right here. He said something about coffee, so I started to set up the coffee. Cool. But yeah, we're done. Have you seen the most recent result for Scars of Mirrodin block? No, why? It's the most retarded thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, like 80% of all the decks that went 3-1 or better were it's this Glenthawk mono-white deck. That's aggravating. It's like looking at standard. Like, this replaced the, this deck with Comblade. It's like every format has to have one deck that's just everywhere. What format is this for? Scars of Mirrodin block. Yeah, there are ten results, and seven out of those ten are the same deck. That's pretty lame, I think. And then I'm looking at the results for the standard premiere event. I think it's hilarious that the first place deck is just UW control. No, no, uh, no swords. No uh, squadron hawks. Just straight up UW control. 
with Vinzer, the Sojourners in there. That makes me pretty happy. Whenever a buyback is usually written on the card, is it written as one word? Like, with no space? Yeah. If that's it, I will uh, yeah, see you guys Yeah, good night, later. guys. My mic is going out. Night. Good night. That's it for episode 19 of The Voice of Seraphim. Was, is, and will be. I'd like to thank my co-host, Eldritch Song, and our guest, Avenged and Easy Pickens, for joining us this week. Members of the clan can join us for the next recording of The Voice of Seraphim on Saturday, April 9th at 9 p.m. Seraphim time. Till then, this is Dykax. You've been listening to The Voice of Seraphim. Mm-hmm.